All right, if you'll find the 23rd chapter of Jeremiah again, we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter number 23, and we're going to be dealing beginning in verse number 10, and we will be uh, attempting to get down through verse number 17. And of course, we have covered a lot of ground in uh, Jeremiah 23 already. Uh, We have uh, dealt with a lot of different subjects. Uh, Tonight, we continue the the warnings and the admonitions and the preaching against the false prophets uh, that had become so prevalent uh, in Jeremiah's day. And uh, we left off last week with verse number nine, which gave us a description of Jeremiah and his heart. And we talked a lot about his burden for his people and the burden that he had a broken heart uh, because of these false prophets. Uh, Now, one thing we need to keep in mind is uh, these false prophets and these prophets that were supposed to be, uh, they were supposed to be of the Lord. Uh, These were not people that were coming in disguised. Uh, They were not coming in uh, announcing that they were, that they were the people who were conducting uh, the, the business of the Lord. They were the ones who were the priests and the prophets that the people recognized. Uh, it, this wasn't like <clears throat> the, the real prophets were there and then these false prophets snuck in and, and displaced. These were the people who were supposed to be doing the preaching and revealing what the Lord had said. So we realize here that Jeremiah uh, is, uh, is, of course, he is heartbroken by what he sees. I want to draw our attention to verse number 17 as we begin, and then we're, we're going to sort of work our way backwards. Uh, but look at verse number 17, and this is with regard to the false prophets. They say still unto them that despise me. The Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto every one that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. In essence, these false prophets were telling the people, the Lord's not going to do anything against you. The Lord's not going to pour out judgment against you. Uh, Take it easy. Be at ease about this because the Lord's not going to do this. And the prophets announce and they say that this was the word of the Lord. So they say that the Lord hath said. These false prophets are taking credit for something God never said. And so we've got to be careful when we see these false prophets. This expression that is being given here, we see Jeremiah in verses 10 through 17 really is exposing these false prophets. And how he's going to do that is he is going to show us the the describing or the characteristics of a false prophet. Now, when we get to the end of this, my hope is, is that I'll have three marks at the end of what a false, how to identify a false prophet. And that's what Jeremiah is, is showing us uh, through this text. Now, the Lord had said that judgment was coming. The Lord had said there was a wrath that was going to come. The false prophets were saying, listen, there's peace. Uh, don't worry about this. They, the Lord's not going to do anything. The false prophets were, were kind of smoothing things over with the people by saying, don't worry, everything is fine. God's, God's not really going to do that. Now, the false prophets we know, and there were false prophets we'll see that are referenced, false prophets of Samaria and also the prophets of Jerusalem. And so the Israelites had been led into different idolatries. 
But yet the Lord is going to say that not just the prophets of Samaria, but the prophets of Jerusalem were just as guilty as the prophets that were in Samaria. What they were basically having the people believe is that although you're practicing sin openly, although you're involved in sin, there's really no harm. There's no harm if you violate the word of God, that you can practice sin and they convinced others to believe that. In other words, they got to a place in the part, in the part where they could say, listen, sin is fine. It's not going to do anything. You can, you can do as you want. God's not going to take any action against you. They've been given over, if we might say it this way, they had been given over to the delusion of their own mind. And we understand here that there was a time coming and we'll see that in this text tonight, where God is going to call them in their foolishness, and there is going to be a judgment that would come. Now, what should, the, what should a true prophet preach? Let's, let's ask ourselves that question first. What should a true prophet preach? A true prophet of the Lord leads men to repentance. Folks, the very first thing that a true prophet leads men to do is leads them into repentance. He draws attention to the violation of sin, the transgression, the breaking of God's law. A true prophet would never come in and say, sin is not a big deal. He would come in and he would say, there is penalty and there is judgment to come in sin. A true prophet leads people into repentance. A true prophet, secondly, also draws people to their faith. Repentance and faith, that's what a true prophet preaches. He's also a preacher of righteousness. The mark of a true prophet of God is he will preach repentance, faith, and righteousness. Some of those are big terms, big thoughts. They, they encompass a lot. When I say the word faith, we're not just talking about some uh, flimsy idea. We're talking about the literally the, the foundation of, of what we stand upon and the righteousness of Christ. But that's what a true preacher or a true prophet preaches. The false prophets, on the other hand, lead men and women to rest in their sin. In other words, it's okay. There's no need to repent. There's no need to acknowledge it. Uh, there's no real importance to follow righteousness. Just understand there's peace. There is, there is no God who is going to take judgment against you. But yet Jeremiah, in the very first part of this section, in verse 10, he begins to proclaim the word of the Lord. Now, this is opposite of what the false prophets were preaching. Look what he says in verse 10. He says, for the land is full of adulterers. For because of swearing, the land mourneth. Jeremiah now says what horrifies him the most. What horrifies him the most about these prophets is that the awareness or the lack of awareness 
of the righteousness of God and the wrath of God was lacking in these false prophets. If, if, things, were in, if things were in good order, if things were as they should have been, uh, Jeremiah would not have to come and announce that the, the land is full of adulterers and the swearing of the land is, the land is mourning over this. He takes it a step further and he says the pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up. In other words, the, the land is parched. The pastures are withered. In other words, God's judgment is seen all over this place. The judgment of God is seen even in the most remote of places. Everything is dried up. It's not just in the plains. It's not just in the places where people lived. It was anywhere you went, the wrath of God was visible. And we've talked a little bit about this. The wrath of God and the judgment of God, we, we often make the mistake that uh, God's judgment doesn't start until at the end of the age. And you realize that God's judgment and God, God's wrath has already been poured out and is being poured out even as we speak. Now, we may not be able to identify exactly this is of the, of the Lord, this is of God's wrath. And I think uh, there's a great danger in trying to identify that. For me to look at a situation and say, that's God's wrath, that's God's judgment. And that's not really for me to determine. But what Jeremiah is trying to tell the people and he's trying to show that the false prophets have done, they're saying there's no problem, there's no consequences, yet God's wrath is visible everywhere you go. Go to the most remote part of the mountains and you'll still see God's wrath is even there. Yet they were still caught in their own delusion that the prophets who were supposed to be God's mouthpiece, they were supposed to be reproving the people of their sin, instead were now smoothing things over. Instead of preaching what was truth, they were preaching smooth things. Now remember, we already said that an example or a characteristic of a true prophet is they lead men to repentance and faith and righteousness. Now you see in verse number 11, or at the end of verse number 10, he says, and their course is evil, and their force is not right. And this is in reference to the, the false prophets. What Jeremiah is saying here is not only these, these prophets are not just making an error in single acts, but the entire course of their life is wrong. The entire course of their actions are corrupt. Their power is corrupt. Their rule is corrupt. Their government is corrupt. Everything is corrupt. These false prophets have led you into a place that you're following the actions of a false prophet. He says in verse 11, for both the prophet and priest are profane. Jeremiah is saying the land is filled with God's wrath the people of God or the Israelites have been led astray by these false prophets. The prophet and the priest are profane. In the Bible, when you see the word prophet and priest, uh, these are offices. And uh, some have even translated the word prophet as a scribe or one that is to reveal the mind of God. 
What was the purpose of the prophets and the priests? The priests were to carry out the works of the temple and the tabernacle and, and the various uh, things, but the, the prophets, and they were to, to reveal what God's mind is. And by revealing God's mind, these prophets and priests are called profane because they're pretending to do and carry out that office. In other words, these false prophets were not people that came in and, uh, and pushed out the original prophets. They were the ones who actually the people were seeing every single day. Okay, the false prophets were carrying out the sacrifices. The false prophets were carrying out the entire law, the priestly offices. Folks, folks, what I'm trying to say is these were not people that kicked out the right people. These were the ones who were supposed to be the prophets of God, yet they were false prophets. They were not living up to what God had called them to do. That word profane can also be translated as godless. And he says, yea, in my house have I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Literally, Jeremiah expands on these prophets and priest corruption. And what he's saying here is literally these prophets have corrupted the entire service of God. There are true prophets like Jeremiah who's trying to, to denounce them. He's trying to point the people to them. The priest wickedness was so bad in the temples that they were engaged in these offices and these works as priests, but at the same time, they are completely corrupted. Now, when we talk about these things, uh, sometimes we, we can get caught up in all these details and we're missing the, what the point here is, is these had been led, led so astray that even when they were doing things the wrong way, when they were trampling on God's service, they were corrupting and perverting the law and order, the people said nothing. The people did nothing about it. It wasn't just in the temple. It wasn't just in the day-to-day -day worship. It was in their daily life. They were profane. They were godless. They... He says that I found their wickedness, saith the Lord. Verse 12, wherefore their way shall be unto them as slippery, slippery ways in the darkness. Their pathway will be slippery. Their ordinary course, their action of life is wicked and sinful. The warning here is that they'll find it that one day it's coming, that the way in which they walk, it is a perilous way, it is full of danger, because one day the very path that they're walking on is going to be a slippery place. That word, slippery, literally means they will come to a place where they will fall. They're, they will be in the ways of darkness. They shall be driven on and fall therein. In other words, there's this description that they're on a path, that they're walking in darkness, but one day as they're walking in that darkness, they're going to slip and fall. They're going to come under the, the banishment of God. God is announcing through Jeremiah that one day, he says, for I will bring evil upon them even the year of their visitation, saith the Lord. Uh, God is saying that one day I will bring, uh, my, I will bring destruction upon them. He declares to the false prophets and to these unfaithful priests that the Lord's judgment is close at hand because they've done this. They've deceived the people. Remember, false prophets are always about deception. Deception is 
sometimes very obvious and sometimes deception is not so easily seen. One of the greatest dangers about deception is sometimes we can begin to believe the lie. We can believe the delusion. Uh, you've, you've no doubt uh, dealt with people before who have lived so long in a particular sin that it becomes justified right to them. In other words, they don't see the harm in it anymore. They continue to walk and they've walked that way for so long. That's been their course of life and nothing's happened to them. So they begin to say things like this. Well, uh, God must be okay with it because he's not taking any action against me. The thing about sin and the thing about wickedness is often the paths of sin look smooth. They look like there's no problem. As a matter of fact, we think that we can keep walking in that and we can walk that direction and there's not going to be any problems. Well, the false prophets were telling them that. Listen, that path you're on, that sinful path, don't worry about it. It's always going to be smooth. You're never going to have any trouble. You're never going to see God's judgment. God would never do that to you. You know, that's how it is with sin. Often we think as we walk on these smooth paths, we think that we're never going to slip and fall, but that's what he's saying. They're on this smooth path now, but eventually they will slip and fall. He says, I will bring evil upon them. In other words, God says, I am resolved to punish their wicked course of life and to visit them with my judgments. Jeremiah is not preaching a popular message. One of the least popular messages today in churches is repentance. It is the least popular subject. Because people don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told that what they're doing, their course of life, their course of action is sin. They don't want to be told that. They say things like this. I, I came to church. I didn't come to church to get stepped on. I didn't come to church to be here about how bad I am. I, I came to church to be uplifted. Yet remember, true prophets will always lead you to repentance. They will always lead you to faith. They will always lead you to righteousness. And the last thing a true prophet of God is going to do is say, listen, get comfortable in your sin and just stay there and keep walking. Right? Because that's, that's the danger. That's what these false prophets were doing. Don't, don't worry about it. The, the, the sin's not a problem. Often I have found that the, the prophet who says, don't worry about your sin, is probably walking that same path and he doesn't want to deal with his sin because he enjoys the path. He says in verse 13, And I have seen folly in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied in Baal, and caused people Israel to err. Now, he, 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 he calls them out. He says, here's what the prophets of Samaria have done. The prophets of Samaria, they prophesied in Baal. Or in other words, what they're proclaiming is not the, what God said. It's the message of Baal, a false god. Among the prophets... One commentator mentioned it this way, says, and I have seen the folly in the prophets. He, he, he translated it this way. He said, among, among the prophets of Samaria, I saw this repulsive thing. 
He, it's, it, the folly is, is a, it's a word that leads us to think about something that is absurd or something that is unsavory, something that is incorrect. One man said, he said it was repulsive. Now, Jeremiah is saying this folly, this is repulsive to God. What did they do? They prophesied by Baal and led God's people astray. Then look what he says. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem, verse 14, a horrible thing. He says between these two prophets, these two groups, the prophets of Samaria and the prophets of Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing. This horrible thing is this repulsive idea. And look what he says. They commit adultery and walk in lies. They are... These ministers of God's word are to teach people sound doctrine and live an example of a holy, righteous life. If that prophet becomes corrupt in his doctrine or in his manner of life, they become what God says is a horrible thing, the very worst of men. In other words, a person who claims to be a prophet of God but fails to teach sound doctrine or lead an example of a holy, righteous life, has done a horrible thing. He calls it they commit adultery and walk in lies. It's harsh language. Verses 13 and 14 really need to be read together because they're connecting, they're connecting verses. In other words, he's not just saying that the prophets of Samaria are only guilty of prophesying in Baal. He's saying, here's what the prophets of Jerusalem and the prophets of Samaria are guilty of. They commit adultery, they walk in lies, they strengthen also the hands of evildoers, that none doth return from his wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitants thereof as Gomorrah. He said, these, these false prophets, I equate them to the wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah, and we know the wickedness of that. These two verses, that they're, as they're read together, Jeremiah is comparing the false prophets who had corrupted God's worship in Israel with those in Jerusalem. Samaria is Israel with those in Jerusalem who wanted to appear more holy. But it says they commit adultery and live their living lies. They prophesied in Baal, caused my people to err. They pretended that they had their instructions from God, but they really had their instructions from Baal. They were teaching through a false God. I've seen the prophets of Jerusalem a horrible thing. That word horrible, again, it's, it's an abominable thing. It's something that is unspeakable. Adultery, walk in lies. It's not just spiritual adultery it's carnal adultery uh, they were instilling falsehoods into people it, it wasn't just a single act it was their ordinary practice is what's happening here these false prophets this is their manner of life you know oftentimes we we identify things and and it's a single act or something and we 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 label something understand something this was not just a one act thing this was their ordinary manner of life. Listen, there's not a one of us here tonight that in our day-to-day -day lives and in a week uh, is not going to commit something that a single act taken alone, it's, it's a horrific thing. 
But it's not the manner and the course of our life. It's not what marks us. It's not what we are on a daily basis. These false prophets, this was their regular manner of life. Anyone who the Lord calls an adulterer here, he is referring to people who are deceivers, people who are fraudulent. He mentions, he adds to the, he adds to the evildoers is one of the phrases. He said he strengthens the hands of the evildoers. In other words, instead of bringing them to repentance, he strengthens their hands of their sin. They, they, they get more and more bold in it. Jeremiah is showing how even these particular prophets, they had surpassed uh, literally uh, what, what everything God had, had said was wrong. And then look, look at the end of verse, at the end, begin of verse 15. He says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets. That therefore is always an indication that we're getting we're getting information as to why what what preceded it. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, these these false prophets. Here Jeremiah is now announcing what God says he's going to do. He's announcing this primarily to the prophets of the kingdom of Judah or the prophets of Jerusalem. It's like him saying here, here's what he says. I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem is profaneness gone forth into all the land. I mean, we can get into what wormwood is. It's, uh, it's a bitter plant. Gall is a bitter and a poisonous herb. But what is the intent here? Profaneness, this is ungodliness or godlessness. What what is God saying? He is literally telling them, I will pursue every kind of punishment against you. In other words, there is nothing off the table. This is what the Lord's telling them. And then verse 16. Now again, thus saith the Lord of hosts, verse 15, Jeremiah now gives this really peculiar instruction. Now remember, I told you at the beginning that these prophets were the recognized prophets of the people. All right? This was not like somebody, again, snuck in under the cover of darkness, replaced who they were normal. They were used to seeing these prophets. Now Jeremiah is going to say something that is very strange. And this would be like someone coming in and let's say that you have sat under the ministry here. You've sat under the preaching here for however many years. And let's, let's go a few years down the road, okay? Let's say five years from now, we're all still here. I'm still preaching. This would be like a, a prophet of God coming in the front door and saying, do not listen to that man anymore. Because that's what he tells them. Look what he says in verse, in verse 16. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Hearken not unto the words of the prophets that prophesy unto you. Jeremiah has just announced to God, these prophets who you've seen, these prophets who you've listened to, don't listen to them anymore. Now that must have seemed pretty severe. It must have 
greatly offended the people for Jeremiah to tell them, don't listen to the preaching of the prophets and the priests. And let's bring this to our modern day. We, we, don't, we don't often think this way. We don't think about the reality that could, and people all over the world, could I, am I actually sitting under preaching of thus saith the Lord? Or am I preaching, or am I sitting under the teaching and preaching of literally what's the prophecies of Baal? Folks, there are people who, have, who are believing delusions. They are, they are sitting in churches today who are saying the same thing these prophets were saying. They don't preach on sin. They're standing up before the people and they're saying, listen, don't worry about sin. God's not that type of God. God wants you to be happy. God wants you to be content. God wants you to just enjoy everything in life. Don't worry about judgment. It's not going to happen. See, we look at these things, and one of the hardest things about preaching through these books is trying to get us to see the practical application for today. We, we, can, we can comprehend, all right, I, I, preacher, I see what you're saying. Uh, these, these, these bad prophets were not doing what they were supposed to be doing, and Jeremiah's telling them to stop. Well, we act as if that can't happen anymore. We act as if it's not possible that people who are acting under the guise of God's mouthpiece are actually not preaching the word of God. They're actually preaching something false. And one of the characteristics is what they think about sin. If there's no talk of repentance, if there's no talk of faith, if there's no talk of righteousness, those are indications that you're dealing with someone who's not preaching the word of God. They're preaching something else. Now, in our day and age, it's probably not the prophecy of Baal. However, if you study the prophecies of Baal and you study that throughout the Bible, you would find there are some similarities between even what Baal worship is and some of the modern-day worship we see today. But I want you to see what's happening here. Remember, Jeremiah is not telling them, hey, don't listen to the magicians. Don't listen to the astrologers, which were, they were all there. Uh, don't, listen to the, don't listen to the strangers. He's literally telling them. He's not telling them, don't listen to the Egyptians. Don't listen to the Assyrians. Don't listen to the Chaldeans. Don't listen to the prophets of Samaria. Which, the prophets of Samaria. He's telling them, don't listen to the people who appear every single day in the temple. Who stand up before you and profess to have been chosen by God. To claim they are endowed with the spirit of revelation. And they have claimed to preach and to profess only what God tells them to say. This is more profound than what we think. These are the people who, for the most part, they trusted. One of the hardest things to do is to understand that I can be brought into a place of believing a lie. I can believe a delusion. I can begin to say, you know what? That preaching sounds better to me. And by the way, humanly speaking, from a human perspective, it's a whole lot better to sit under preaching that doesn't talk about sin, doesn't talk about righteousness, doesn't talk about those. Humanly speaking, it's more pleasing to the ears. 
because there's no accountability. I basically show up, I do the service of God, I do some kind of act of God, but I'm not being told about sin. I'm not being told to repent. Folks, you wonder why there is such an influx to those type of churches. But imagine, again, like I said, our, our illustration, imagine after 10 years or five more years or whatever, somebody coming in and saying, the prophet of God coming in and saying, listen, don't listen to that man that you've been sitting under for all these years. Jeremiah is forbidding the people to listen to them. Don't listen to the people. Look, look what he says. They make you vain. They speak a vision of their own heart and not out of the mouth of the Lord. What in the world does that mean? Here's the questions that could come up. If these are imposters, why did God allow them to be here? Remember, these are the people who were standing up saying, we're the divinely chosen ones of God. The people could have simply asked the question, God, why did you allow them to exercise this office if they're all cheats and fakes? Folks, it is so important for us to understand that we have a responsibility to know if what we hear is actually what the Bible says. You have a responsibility as much as I do, as much as I have responsibility to stand up and faithfully pull the text in front of us to give us the truth, you have as much accountability and responsibility to acknowledge and to determine is what I'm hearing true out of the mouth of God or is this something that it is the result or the words of something else? These prophets to the people were who they thought they could trust. They thought these were the people who they were to obey. Here's a great truth. People are under no obligation to hear anything except what God has said. And if God hasn't said it, and someone is trying to push it on you, you need to watch out. If God, is, if that man or that woman or whoever says, uh, and they can't show you that this is what the Word of God says, you need to watch out. Because you and I are not under any obligation to listen to a prophet that preaches something other than the revealed will of God. So if a man goes outside of the boundaries of Scripture to determine his philosophy of ministry, let's say, okay? Let's say a, let's say a new preacher comes in. And he comes in and he tells you we're, how, I'm, how we're going to work here and how we're going to minister here is we're going to consult the Bible every once in a while, but primarily we're going to use this book that I wrote over here. You have no obligation to follow and listen to something that's not the revealed will of God. However, if it is in the Bible and it is the revealed will of God, we have an obligation to hear it and recognize it as God's word. We're not called to obey that which God has not said. If God hasn't said it, then you cannot call people to obey it. 
And there we could go down a list of things that are what we call Christian traditions that have nothing to do with what God said, you must obey this. It is something that man has made up along the way to fulfill whatever it is they're attempting to do. You don't have an obligation to listen to a false prophet. I heard a man, I heard a man, I don't remember where I even heard this. I heard a man say that he knew one day he was sitting in a, he was sitting in a meeting somewhere, and I, I, I'm just I'm having like just faint recollection of this, and I wish I could remember where it came from. But he told me he was sitting under the over messages. He was sitting and he, he knew what he was hearing wasn't right. But he said, I felt obligated to let, hear the man out. You have no obligation to hear a false prophet out. Well, I try to be courteous. Why would you be courteous to a false prophet? Well, I don't want to offend him. Folks, it's false teaching. You are not under obligation to listen to a false teacher. He says they'll make you vain. Vanity is deception. Practical application. When someone says you're so vain, vanity is sometimes we're vain about our appearances, right? We see ourselves and there's nothing wrong with wanting to look nice. There's nothing wrong with, but you realize that that can cause a great amount of deception. You look at yourself in the mirror and you're deceived into believing that somehow this appearance is, uh, for some people, this is where your worth is. And this is, this is a problem in society today. People look in a mirror and they say, my worth is determined by what I see. Young people all over, the, uh, all over this country, they, they, are, they are completely obsessed with what they see in the mirror and saying, this is where my value is. That's vanity and that's deception. And that's kind of on another subject, but you understand what I'm saying. Vanity is, is not... It's not good. It is, it, is a, it, is, it is to be deceived. He says, hearken not. They make you vain. And then he gives more insight. They speak a vision of their own heart. That's really, it's, it's really quite a you know, staggering statement. Now he's, the vision, he's speaking visions from their own mind. But specifically, and here's what really ties it all together, not out of the mouth of the Lord. In other words, when the mouth of the Lord speaks or his mouthpiece or a prophet speaks, those words are not going to make you vain and they're not speaking a vision of their own heart. They're speaking, thus saith the Lord. And then just for tonight, we'll look at this back where we started. They say still unto them that despise me, the Lord hath said, ye shall have peace. And they say unto everyone that walketh after the imagination of his own heart, no evil shall come upon you. They say still unto them that despise me. These corrupt prophets, they're an abomination to the house of the Lord. They are intent on 
leading astray. Their only intent is to indulge their own lust, their own hearts, their own vision, their own desires. Jeremiah is introducing another mark by which these false prophets may be distinguished. They flatter ungodly and wicked people who despise God. In other words, the people they're trying to flatter are people who are already ungodly and wicked who despise God. They're trying to unflatter godly, godless people. We'll deal with this statement next week. And this is really telling for who hath stood in the counsel of the Lord. Begin of verse 18. You see what's happening here these two verses, verses 16 and 17, really they give us three marks of a false prophet. Throughout this text, he's said what they are. He says what they do. But then in these last two verses we looked at tonight, he gives them three marks, which I told you we'd come to. And you've probably already written them down if you're writing down. What is that first mark? That first mark of a prophet is they make you vain. What is it to, what is it to be vain? It is to make you feel as if you're a fine individual and there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. Now, it sounds nice, doesn't it? None of us want to be told what we really are. What's the Bible say we are? We're depraved sinners. Nowhere does the Bible say you're a fine fellow. You're a fine lady. You know what? You've, you're exuding goodness. doesn't say it. It says we're sinners. We need a savior. The false prophet makes you feel good about yourself. Again, you say, preacher, I like to feel good about myself. I do too. But I don't want to feel good about myself if it's going against what God's word has said. The only reason I feel good about myself tonight is because of what Jesus Christ has done. When I begin to believe that there's something inherently good about me on my own, I'm missing the whole part about what the Bible says about the sinful depravity of man. I'm not good. If a prophet makes me feel good about myself apart from Christ or about myself, that's a mark that I'm dealing with a false prophet. A second mark of a false prophet, I want to tell you, this, this might be the hardest one to detect in the day and age in which we live. They speak a vision of their own heart. Now, I want you to think about that for a minute. A second mark of a false prophet is often that he's a very good and deep thinker. Now, there's nothing wrong with thinking. But do you know that if I get too deep in my own thoughts and I get too deep in my own what I believe is to be right, I can create my own theology. Theology, in its purest sense, is supposed to be what the Bible teaches about God. Can I tell you, there are thousands of theologians who aren't teaching, thus saith the Lord. They're teaching theology, but they're not teaching theology of the Bible. Now, what's harder to detect? A man who's talking about the things of God, he's talking about the Word of God, he's a deep thinker, 
And by the way, there's nothing wrong with thinking. You ought to use your brains. We ought to use our brains. We ought to use our, our thoughts and, and use what God has given us. It's not that just he's a thinker, but those, again, what is he saying? They speak a vision of their own heart. That means it's something that doesn't match up because they say it's not out of the mouth of the Lord. And then the final one, and we've kind of dealt with this already. So first of all, a false prophet makes you feel vain. Number two, they speak a vision of their own heart, not out of the mouth of the Lord. And the third mark of a false prophet is he always tries to water down the consequences of sin. They say still unto them that despise me. You see, the false prophet says sin might bring you a temporary inconvenience. But things will be all right. It, it won't be so bad. Now listen, if a person takes that approach to sin, that man cannot be a servant of the living God. Because no child of God, no prophet of God is going to view sin lightly. Now again, I'm not talking about times when we fall and we stumble, okay? So don't, don't, don't turn this into, oh man, I sinned today. I, maybe I'm not really a, a prophet or I'm not really a saved person. Or uh, we say about a pastor, oh my word, that's a, that pastor, he sinned. Well, of course he did. Of course he did. But he shouldn't be light about that and he shouldn't use it as something, oh, don't worry about it. There sh what is it? He should be brought to repentance himself. See, the reality is, as we often think about, what we think about sin really is a great test of whether or not we're in the midst of false prophets or not. False prophets make you vain. They speak out of their own heart. And they try to make it easy for you to sin by denying the penalty that is attached to it. In other words, if I begin to say sin is really no big deal, that's a pretty good indication I'm dealing with a false prophet. If I always feel good about myself, it's probably a pretty good indication I'm dealing with a false prophet. And if he's speaking something that cannot be proved from Scripture, that's a false prophet. Folks, that one's the heart. I mean, these are all hard, but that, that one there. Are you sure what you're hearing is biblical and not a vision of a man's heart? And therein lies the great test. Because I'm telling you, this is happening more than you think. Where people say, well, this is, what, this is what my pastor teaches, or this is what our preacher teaches, and this is what he believes. Okay, that's not the question. The question is, is he preaching the Bible? It's not, what does he think? Well, my preacher said this. Okay, if he said that, is his basis the Bible, or is that a vision of his own heart? Is that his own theology? Does it line up with the scriptures? Because if it doesn't, you're under no obligation to listen to it. I'm going to tell you what, there's a lot of people that have been brought into that place where they said, listen, I could never, ever, ever go against the pastor even if he's preaching something wrong. That's, that is an absolute delusion lie you're believing. He has an obligation, just as much you have an obligation to know the truth. He has an obligation to preach the truth. He has an obligation to say this is what the Bible says. 
And it should not lead you to vanity. It should not lead you to be a vision of his own heart. And it should not be a man that makes it easy for you to sin. But it should rather be a man or a prophet that preaches repentance, leads you to, to repentance, to faith, and to righteousness. Jeremiah had a difficult task. He wasn't told to go preach to friendly people. He was told to basically go turn upside down what was wrong. People that they trusted. And yet Jeremiah was told, go to, go to tell them, don't listen to the false prophets anymore. All right, so hopefully we'll get the application for our lives today. All right, let's go ahead and stand. We'll finish with a closing hymn.